building up godly men for a better tomorrow. This is On the Edge with Ken Harrison, where we inspire men of integrity to put faith into action together. Just before we get into today's episode, we'd like to invite you to subscribe to our weekly devotional group. Just text the two words, Promise Keepers, to 31996. Every week you'll receive a challenging devotional that will inspire you to put your faith into action in the real world. Again, text Promise Keepers to 31996. And now, here's today's show. Kelly, you are my hero. That. You're standing up for <laughs> you're standing up for all the stuff that we see on the news. And we freak out and we're like, "How can that possibly be happening?" And you're the man on the front lines doing all the fighting. Well, in a way, I mean, I I, I take it that we get to stand next to the heroes. Uh, I mean, the people who you know, the coach Kennedy who goes to a knee after the football game and gets fired, right? Mm. When he was told, "If you ever go to a knee and pray again as a coach, you're going to get fired." I mean. That's Those, in the Constitution, right? If yeah. you pray, then you get fired. Isn't yeah. That, yeah. Or the opposite of that might be in the Constitution. <laughs> so, I mean, that, really, those guys are the heroes. I mean, we've got a new client right now, a, um, a woman who slowly went blind. And as she's going blind, she's thinking about what's really important in life. And she realizes it's that people know about Jesus. So as a blind woman, she now with her cane that we're, that, you know, how they push in front to see where you don't run into things. She goes across the street from her apartment to the public park to give people who want one, and she can't see anybody, so it's only if people come real near her or sit down with her next to the bench. She says, would you like a, co- a copy of the Gospel of John? And she's now been banned from the public park and the public library for two years. I mean... I read about that. I didn't know you were doing that. Th- that That's a hero, you know? I look at all the chaos going on around our country, and we'll, I know we'll talk about some of this, and... But you know, if you want to know what the answer to everything is, it's it's Gail Blair walking across the street with a walking cane so she can give people a gospel of John. That's what changes the world right there. And so what a privilege that, that we get to stand next to people like that. But how do you how did we get here? I mean, really, this ten years ago, if I had said that to anybody, they'd be like, You're nuts. That could never happen in America. <laughs> right. A blind woman banned from a park simply for asking people if they want a copy of the Gospel of John. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, when I started doing this kind of work uh, 31 years ago, uh, you know, if you would have taken me back then and and pick, you know, we had 300 cases last year. Pick any of the 300. If you would have said, would you ever have a case with these kind of facts? You couldn't pick any of them, right? All of them would be insane. It would be, well, that will never happen. You know, we don't even we, we don't know anything today. We don't know what a, a a male or a female is. We everything is so different than we normally are dealing with, and it's creating lots of problems for the church. I mean, how do you deal with this if you're a church? You're just trying to tell people about Jesus, and the next thing you know, you're not sure if you can have male and female bathrooms, and you're not sure mm-hmm. you know what you can do. And so, a lot of the culture starts to come into the church and. You know, we've been telling people for a long time at First Liberty that, you know, believers immediately get why religious freedom is important, right? If you can't share the truth and have people have their life redeemed, I mean, there's really no hope, right? And so people get that. But what most people don't get, and we've been telling people this, is it, it, it's an, there's an addition to that. 
The reason the founders called it our first freedom is because they realized if you lose this freedom, you will lose all of your freedoms. And you know what's amazing is mm. people from other countries will come up to us and say, I saw this happen in my country. And I'm thinking of some people that handed me a check and said, I'm going to be supporting you guys from now on. And they're not religious at all. They don't believe in Jesus, mm. but they understand what's going to happen if religious freedom goes. And so the pandemic is such an eye opener to a lot of people because we've been telling them this for a long time. What is the main force under attack during the pandemic? It's all the churches, <laughs> yeah. right? And we have these businesses calling us, businessmen from all around the country saying, we see that you've been winning all your lawsuits during the pandemic on behalf of churches. Should we file, our businesses are being destroyed. Should we file a lawsuit? And my answer to them has been, no, you shouldn't. You have freedoms, but your freedoms don't even come near the freedoms of the church mm. because they have freedom of speech, free exercise of religion, freedom of assembly. If they can't win, you have no chance. So fascinating that everybody's freedoms in this country are now dependent upon whether the church will stand and whether their freedoms will be recognized. Because if they won't, then nobody else's are going to be recognized. Isn't that interesting? So even people who hate the church and hate Jesus, they, they really better be rooting for the churches. I, it's funny. I've had some people that were sort of more on the libertarian side and they would say, yeah, you, you guys, you know, good what you're doing, but not my gig. And as soon as we won this first major case in the pandemic, we were seeing videos of like fathers throwing baseballs with their kids and then being handcuffed and taken to jail because they were doing so in a park. Uh, a mother handcuffed because her kids were swinging together. Again, nobody else in the park, right? Wow. The guy coming off the beach on the surfboard arrested when he's by himself, right? And everybody was going, have we lost our constitution? I mean, what's going on? There's never been a case in the pandemic. Is the new law going to be your rights are all gone in the pandemic? And we filed that, that case in Louisville where it was right before Easter. They had told the church, you cannot have a Sunday service in your cars, drive-in service. That was Mississippi, right? No, well, Mississippi was uh, the second one, but the very first case in court decision was Louisville. Oh. And and Mississippi, when we had an African-American church represented there, where they were going to uh, fine them and all this. But similarly, in uh, On Fire Christian Church in Louisville, uh, Kentucky, and again, Cars in the church parking lot, right? That's all it is. Okay, you're listening over the radio frequency. Nobody, you know, the CDC guidelines say nothing about a danger from one automobile passing the coronavirus <laughs> inside the other automobile. It doesn't happen. And so, and then, by the way, the governor said on Easter Sunday, we're going to send police to every church and any license plate that is in the church parking lot is going to be written down. Then they're all going to be met with police at their homes and they'll be quarantined. I mean, so it was like something from China or some other country. It's George Orwell time. Yeah. And we so we filed the lawsuit. We got a great judge, Judge uh, Justin Walker, federal judge. And I mean, he just laid the wood to him. I mean, he just said, you don't know what country you're in. This doesn't happen in the United States of America. He said, this country is built on religious freedom and a strong, strong decision. And again, this is kind of getting back to the question you asked me. And what was amazing is that guy said to you that was like, you know, kind of not my gig. You know, he sent me an email. Oh, actually, it was Facebook. He said, put something on his Facebook. He he pulled me in by tagging me. And he said, this is incredible. He said, our Constitution has been restored. He said, 
anybody, he says, I'm sending a gift right now to First Liberty. He said, I encourage everybody I know to do the same. It's like the light bulb finally went off that, you know what? If I care about freedom, I better care about religious freedom. And mm. and it's just, I've had a bunch of people come up to me. We had an event in the last uh, few weeks. They say, you know, you've been saying that for years and I, and I kind of understood it, but man, do I get it now. Uh, I'm seeing it happen right in front of my eyes. And I tell you the, the positive thing that's been neat is I think we've won like 10 lawsuits in the pandemic. Every time we've won on behalf of the church, within days or maybe at the most at a week, everything else starts to open up. Is that the businesses, right? everything else. It's fascinating how the church leads the way on this. And so that's sort of the big challenge. Like if you're in California or wherever, what are you going to do as a church? You know, are you going to let them shut you down? Are you going to let them tell you you can't sing? Uh, you know, are you, I mean, it's it's a real challenge for a lot because, I mean, churches are trying to be cooperative. They want to they want to be helpful. Mm -hmm. But again, we're talking here about a, a government that is abusing the law. They're not following the law. They're they're violating the Constitution, which is our highest law uh, in this country. And churches are standing up uh, around the country. And what's amazing is they're what you're finding is a lot of times if enough churches were to stand up, let's say California. If all the churches were to say, look, we're going to be safe because we care about our people, but uh, we're not going to shut down our services for the next year. So come get us. It would all be over. Yeah, that's right. If but, we would just stick together. That's right. But what's happening is they can pick off one at a time and create problems. But uh, I, you know, this is one of those unique times. We're, we're in a battle right now. And I, Again, we won our lawsuits, but the problem is a bunch of other lawsuits were filed that weren't necessarily as thoughtful or as appropriate, maybe filed in the right place, wrong mm. place, wrong time, whatever. It's a mess right now on what the law is. And uh, and so we're, we're praying we get the right case to the Supreme Court and clean all this up. Uh, but right now, we're in the middle of a battle over whether the government controls our churches. I mean, that is actually what we're in. I mean, if the new law is... If there's ever an emergency, or let me put it this way, if a government official, a mayor, a governor, ever says there's an emergency, and that means your constitutional freedoms are suspended because they declare an emergency, then you don't have any constitutional well, we, freedoms. Well, because we have an, this great emergency called global warming. Yes. So, so <laughs> we're done, right? I mean, they, they can just We can decide. come up, you know, uh, the, the Green New Deal, right? It's, I mean, you just keep going, right? Everything's an emergency. So... Uh, it's, it's a, it's a really important time. So, I mean, people are like getting go, gosh, I'm going to turn this thing off because this is really depressing. Um, <laughs> let me, let's let me talk about all these, cause you've had some unbelievable victories. Well, that's the thing I would say we're in the short term, we're in the middle of a very important battle about whether the church can be controlled by the government. But in the long term, we're really shifting things. I mean, we're, I've been doing this for 31 years and we are totally shifting the landscape. Talk God about is. the landmark victory that you had that really pe people don't understand. I didn't until we were talking about it and it was just dumbfounding the victory you had at the Supreme Court. I'll, I'll yeah, let me let me set let me step back a second because it won't make as much sense if I don't say how do we come to this point? Really the starting point of a lot of this is the judges. For years and years and years the judges, the federal judges who were appointed for life, it's really been picked through a heavy political system. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, hey, I helped you get elected president. My brother's a judge. Why don't you put him on the court, right? And for the first time, we had somebody run, uh, Trump who ran, and actually said, this is what I will do with judges. 
said, I'm going to appoint this type of judicial philosophy, which is what we call originalism. Well, and just to interrupt, he, th that's why he's so threatening. And whether you agree with him or not, he didn't come from the system and right. he didn't understand how things worked. You know, my my sister-in-law is supposed to get that because this is how and he went, I don't know and I don't care. And th so that's why Republicans and Democrats really were angry when he first got elected. Yes. And he had even mentioned something because his sister is like a judge and they thought, oh, it's going to be that. Yeah, right, right? right. And instead, they're originalists and people again, your listeners are probably going, well, of course, originalism means you go by the original meaning of the text or the statute. You think, well, well of course you do. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. We've been going by a, a living constitution, which means you you sort of interpret it for today. Right. So biblical people do the same thing, right? That's they, right. They take the words and they go, well, we got to make it really mean something for today. And they change it. Well, an originalist says, you know, this is what it meant when the text was written. If you want to change it, then change it. But I'm not going to change it because I'm a judge, not a legislator. Mm. That's very different. Um, and so as we've been appointing those type of people, over 200 have been uh, confirmed so far. And, uh, and I can't tell you how many of these people, because I know a number of these people, we've been, we've been working on making sure the highly, qu high quality, brilliant people are appointed that you'll never, and I can't tell you how many of these people are strong, strong believers. They're very bright. They will never turn from what they know is true and from the constitution. And, you mean uh, like Roberts and Gorsuch have done yeah, recently? Exactly. Um, you, you've got, you know, you're going, what is that person doing? I'm, we're pointing really solid people mm. to a lot of these lower courts. and So they Supreme never get to the well. Supreme Court. So give the statistics about how many cases actually make it to the Supreme Court so people understand the importance of well, federal judges. There's hundreds yeah. of thousands of cases filed, you know, every year in the federal courts and uh, a total of about. 80 make the Supreme Court. 80. So That's all the rest of them. 0.01%. It's it's very small. And and even of the ones who they try to appeal to the Supreme Court, it's it's like 1% or less. So all the other cases end at the Court of Appeals, all these lower court judges. And it's really important that you have solid people there. So we've been doing that and the Supreme Court. Like, again, our issue is religious freedom. So on Kavanaugh, when Kavanaugh was being born. Well, you know, Kavanaugh, as a young attorney, donated time with me on religious liberty cases. That's right. I forgot he's about a, that. He's a guy who cares about religious freedom. We knew he'd be good. Gorsuch has been really good on religious freedom, right? Now, there was an, there's another issue with Apparently, Gorsuch. Apparently, if you're attracted to men, you're, you're a woman <laughs> under the law again. That's, that, was, that was something that was highlighted before, and he had joined an opinion uh, as a, an appellate judge on transgenderism that, that gave a hint. Oh, so we did know. Well, yeah, some people knew. Oh. Uh, and so, and, you know, we, we flagged that as mm -hmm. an issue. We said, look, this is, you know, something we said our, on the issue of religious freedom, he's one of the best we've ever seen. But, and if you look at his opinion, you're talking about the Bostock opinion where he reinterpreted the word sex right. from 1964 to, to mean uh, LGBT and transgenderism. In that same opinion, he just puts two paragraphs in just out of nowhere. They're really not necessary, but he said, by the way, I, I want to note that this decision has no religious liberty claims because when there are religious liberty claims, that's a, that's a right that is, is a, you know, a paramount right under our constitution and under the statutory law. So what does that mean? I think he's sending a signal that when, when this new thing he just created this new definition this of monster. sex yeah. runs into religious freedom. I think he's sending a signal that he thinks religious freedom 
still wins. Trumps, okay. But now, joy, joy, we get to fight all those battles right. because of that opinion. So a lot of people are very disappointed in that, obviously. But we've we, so we had some people in the Supreme Court. So I'm setting that up because then you asked me about the case. Our case was the Bladenburg Cross case. This is a, a veterans memorial that was put up almost 100 years ago by mothers who lost their sons in World War I. Uh, from Prince George's County, Maryland, right outside of D.C., 49 young men who died. And that memorial was set up on American Legion land. It's a cross, has their names on a big plaque, and says for the dead of all wars. It's just a— So it was on private land when it was originally erected. It was, but it's outside of D.C. So as the roads were built around it, the state took over the land So for health and safety reasons— but they didn't want to disturb a memorial. I mean, that's been up for you know almost 100 years. So they left it alone. And in fact, there are other memorials nearby. Uh, come along decades later, the American Humanist Association, which says, we can't have a cross on government land. And so they bring a lawsuit. Well, we won at the district court. But at the Court of Appeals, uh, we had a, a three-court uh, judge uh, a panel. And one of the judges, if you want to feel for where this was going, said, why don't we just cut the arms off the cross? Because that way nobody will be offended and we won't have to tear it down. And so we wow. <laughs> thought, we thought, oh, I don't think we've got that judge. Um, and uh, we lost two to one. It was two, uh, two Obama appointed judges went the, went the wrong way, in our opinion. The Clinton appointed judge went with us. And uh, well, ultimately, we, this was good for us because it went to the Supreme Court. That's exactly right. Went to the Supreme Court. And look, if they rule that you got to tear down the veterans memorials that are crosses or stars of David or whatever, I mean, two miles away from this is Arlington National Cemetery. They're going to have to go into Arlington National Cemetery and tear down. There's like a 24 foot cross. The the well, every grave cross site has well, a star of David or a some might argue. Cross. Well, those people got to choose those things, oh. but still, there are others. There's there's the Argonne Cross. There's the uh, the Canadian Cross of Sacrifice. There's there's lots of crosses. And so we felt like going into the Supreme Court, we thought, you know, I just do not see the court saying we're going to start this war against all of our veterans memorials and our crosses and our stars of David and all this all over the country. And, and we looked and we thought, you know, again, the judges are changing. We now have two new justices on the Supreme Court. There was a case 50 years ago called Lemon, aptly named, by the way. <laughs> Just a horrible case, you know, nineteen sixties and early seventies when you had yeah, a the liberal Warren court. court. Was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, and they said, well, the establishment of religion, which is in the Constitution, you know, it said First Amendment says Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. Now we all know what that really meant. They didn't want there to be a national church that everybody had to support that then would take away their freedom. Which is what most countries in Europe have. That's that. Yeah, that's where they came from. They came from England. They came from that. They didn't want that. Well, 50 years ago, this Lemon case said, no, 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 no. It means a lot more than that. And they created all these. You know, it means separation of church and state. It means uh, offended observer status, which means if you're offended by something, you can now bring a lawsuit. You usually cannot bring a lawsuit because you're offended because we would have unending lawsuits, right? The only exception is if you're offended by religion, you can bring a lawsuit. And so our whole lives, can we've seen attacks against nativity scenes at Christmas, menorahs, uh, a Ten Commandments monument, uh, any religious That symbol. all came from Lemon. It all came from Lemon, not the Constitution. And okay. so we've had this sort of hostility to religion our whole lives. This is what we've seen. The government's kind of hostile. Now, the founders, I think, would come back and go, 
what are you doing? <laughs> you right. know, like, by the way, this is promise keepers. You can say founding fathers. On this show. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so it's been really bad, but, but you know, there are 50 years and tens of thousands of precedents citing this. So, but we knew that we now had five justices who at least their, their goal is to always find out what is the original meaning of the text. And what I just described to you was not the original meaning. Mm -hmm. So we said in this case, we didn't just say, hey, don't tear down the Veterans Memorial in Bladensburg. We said, you need to stop applying lemon because it's- So you went the extra mile. We did. We went for the, you know, we could have gone for the bunt single and won the game. We went for the grand slam. And and the the good news is the decision came down 7-2. 7-2. In our favor, but- on the issue we really were fighting for, Lemon, 5-4. Five of the justices said, we're not applying Lemon. It's not any good and we're not applying so it's it. it's out. It's done. And so, you know, the the they didn't say it specifically. I think they're being nice to their liberal friends on the court. So they, they didn't say officially Lemon is dead. But there have been a number of cases following, court of appeals cases, and they're all saying, Lemon is dead because it really is. They said we're not applying it. It's no good. So that 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 changed. I mean, that's going to have an effect. Now the nativity scene on the public land, yes, can likely stay. We've already got she, that lawsuit going, right? Lo- I love we it. I love <laughs> we, it. you know, it's going to change. I mean, every time you used to go in public and you see something religious, and everybody kind of cringes, like, "Is this okay?" It's going to take a while, but that whole. That whole feel is going to change. Our culture is going to change because the law is going to say, of course it's okay. You know, is the government forcing you to do something religious? No. Okay. Well, then we're all for religion. Today's episode is brought to you through the generosity of Waterstone. For nearly 40 years, Waterstone has assisted givers in supporting their favorite charities, like Promise Keepers, by crafting customized, innovative giving solutions. Waterstone gift strategists stand ready to create your personalized charitable plan, utilizing business interests, real estate, appreciated assets, charitable trusts, giving funds, and more. These donor-specific giving strategies allow givers to bypass capital gains taxes, receive a fair market value charitable deduction, and have tax-free growth for years to come. Prioritize income, minimize taxes, and optimize your giving with Waterstone. Find out how to give and receive the most from your assets by visiting www.waterstone.org. And now, back to today's show. We all have these stories. I remember when my son Hunter was little and my wife Elliot bought a bunch of cross-shaped suckers for Easter. And they weren't overt, they were just cross-shaped suckers. And so he went and gave one out to all the kids and the teacher saw them and confiscated them all because they were shaped like crosses. So that kind of crap, it'll take a while. It should stop, yes. And it's awesome. And that's the way I put it to people is it's like for 50 years we've been going in one direction in a bad direction, a hostility to religion Mm -hmm. direction. We just turned completely 180 and we're now starting to walk the other direction. We still have to build that out. We have 50 years worth of garbage time. But I'm telling you, if if you'd asked me four years ago, can you get rid of lemon in your lifetime? And I've been doing this for 31 years. I would have said, no, 
but we can we can chip away at it well we we're in the process of destroying it and it's the same thing on the free exercise clause free exercise everybody thinks well of course the free exercise of religion like that's it's basically been neutered for 30 years because of a bad decision handed down um, called the Smith decision. And again, if you had asked me, you know, four years ago, can you get rid of it? I just said, no, I mean, not probably not in my lifetime, but we can start to kind of make progress and chip away at it. Well, we're in the process maybe now of, of really ex- completely throwing it out. Um, the best example is a case mentioned earlier, uh, Coach Kennedy. Coach Kennedy's 20 years in the Marines. State of Washington. Yeah, right? state of Washington, right outside of Seattle, Bremerton. And uh, he made this promise to the Lord before, and he's he will be the first to tell you, he's not exactly a biblical scholar or <laughs> really, I mean, he's very funny. But he just, he watched this Facing the Giants movie right before he went to coaching. And if you've, people haven't seen it, it's about Christianity and coaching and all this. And he made a commitment to God. He said, you know, after every game, when everybody goes to the center of the field and they, you know, slap each other on the back and say good game or whatever so the first thing i'm going to do is i'm going to go to a knee and i'm going to thank you for the privilege of coaching these young men we go to a knee that can't be controversial (laughs) and uh this is before it became popular right uh and uh it creates a great juxtaposition right right now you can you can go to a knee if it's it's during the national anthem (laughs) yeah but you can't go to a knee if you're going to pray and that's what he did. He did that for seven years until somebody went to the superintendent and said, hey, that's really neat what your coach does. He's like, what, what, what? And, you know, next thing you know, there's an investigation. And then the next thing you know, he gets a letter saying, if you go to a knee again, you'll be fired. Amazing. And he's a Marine. Yeah. He, he said, I didn't fight for these freedoms to turn and run the first time. Run. You know? And uh, he went to a knee. And I'll tell you one of the stories that hadn't been really told much publicly. Uh, so you'll get it on your podcast is one of the really cool things is he didn't want to go. He didn't want his players to be around him in any way. Cause this is a, just him. And so he waited until they were singing the fight song. So they were turned facing the stands. He went by, he made, he wanted to make sure he's by himself, which he tried to do before anyway. So he goes by himself. He's only on a knee for like 30 seconds. Right. But as he's down there, he kind of felt something and he felt people around him like, and he thought, Oh no, the kids have come. I don't want them to get in trouble. You know, he opens his eyes. It's the other team and all their players have surrounded him. They've How got awesome. their arms around him and they're praying. How awesome. And I thought if anything is America, that's it right mm-hmm. there. And so that's what he did. Well, they fired him, right? Just like uh, they said they would. We filed a lawsuit. Uh, unfortunately for him, he lives in the Ninth Circuit, which is in San Francisco. Although that's uh, getting better. Thanks to you. It's we're real close to flipping the Ninth Circuit. Um but uh, he got a decision that said, I kid you not, that basically, well, it's not basically, this is what it says, is that coaches are not allowed to pray, pray in public if anyone can see them. Holy it's God. not just students. It's like a spectator. If, if a spectator up in the corner of the stands sees a coach praying, they will think, hmm, he works for the school district. And therefore, the school district must be telling me that I need to pray and accept his religion. Right. right. And therefore, this violates the establishment. Le- leftists <laughs> always assume people are idiots. <laughs> so we go up, we get that decision, and so we go to the Supreme Court. And again, as we talked about earlier, Supreme Court takes, you know, less than one percent. So the chances are they're going to say cert denied. Cert denied means no comment on your case, just it's over. So we're praying, Lord. No cert denied. We know the odds are against us, but 
don't do it. And then we get this notice back, cert denied. And we're like, oh, this is horrible. And they said, wait, 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 wait. There's something really unusual. You know, they get eight, nine, 10,000 of those a year. So they don't comment on their cert denied. Right. This one had a concurrence by the four conservative justices saying, this is only cert denied for now. Go back down. There's some facts we want developed. Then come back. And they said, by the way, we find the Ninth Circuit decision below very troubling. Um, and then they add this thing to the end. And this is the thing that just, I mean, it, it shocked everybody in the religious liberty community. It said, by the way, we noticed that the first claim to reach us in this case is a free speech claim, not a free exercise of religion claim. Maybe that's because of this Smith decision that has caused so much damage to religious freedom over the last three decades. Wow. But we haven't been asked to review that decision yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, hold your hand, Mr. Attorney, and tell you how to win this case. So they sent a really strong signal that, I mean, we... And where are you at now with that? Well, we went back down, uh, got an, another decision. Coaches are not allowed to pray in public. We're now up to the Ninth Circuit, again, which is not exactly a friendly circuit, but we'll see what happens. Now, will you end up with the same three judges, or could there be different? It could, but it's it's highly likely it'll be the same. To tell you what kind of luck we got, we had uh, two, two, you know, the way the Ninth Circuit was at the time was there's 29 uh, judges on the court, and there are um, 19 liberals and 10 conservatives. Is that uh, now? That was then. Okay. It's now 1613, so it's a you flip two and you flip the, the which if let's say Trump were to win again, it would flip. Uh, and I, I can't imagine but California would be underneath a conservative federal court of appeal circuit. I mean, it would I mean, it would result in all kinds of interesting things so, happening. So, so let me sure. ask you a couple of questions. To, how important to you is it that Trump wins re-election? Well, as a as a 501c3, we don't endorse any candidate I'm not asking to endorse I'm just wondering how but important I it is. think if you're it, it, depending upon what kind of judges you want it's a huge deal right if you want a more liberal justice who think that that really their job is to sort of make things current for today and and imbue the values that they want to imbue and get the results they want to get um, then you're going to want to elect the the Democratic candidate because that's the kind of people they're going to appoint I mean Sotomayor Ginsburg etc if People who see magical things in the Constitution that say, well, I see here it says you have a freedom of assembly. That must mean you get to murder babies in the womb, that, <laughs> right? They, the they have the Roe v. Wade is definitely one of the issues uh, for sure. I mean, on the other side, you've got, and this is the interesting thing that people don't think about. If you get the Trump appointed judges, you're not going to get judges or justices who want a conservative result, Okay. They're not, they think their job isn't to do that. That's important to say. Yeah, it's not like liberal versus conservative politics. It's, it's a judge, it's an approach. One is sort of, hey, let's do good. And, and the other is, look, even if I think this law is bad, that's not my job to overturn the law unless it violates the words of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. So that's what you get. So like, for instance, let's take Roe v. Wade. Uh, people are like, ah, oh, you know, the conservative, I want the conservative judges so that they'll, you know, uh, um, outlaw abortion. Well, you know, they're not going to outlaw abortion. The best you'll get is they'll say, well, I don't see anything about abortion in the Constitution, and therefore it's an issue for the states. So there is a difference. People tend to think, right. you know, which liberals is why it's harder as for Christians, because we have the leftist side saying, we're going to do whatever it takes for our side to win. And the 
conservative side is not saying that. They're saying, what does the Constitution say? That's right. what we're going to do, even if we don't happen to like it. So That's we're right. already starting off way behind the it eight is. ball. It is. There's, a, there's, a, uh, there's also a, um, an argument in the past, at least, about sort of a ratchet, which is the liberal justices sort of add things in uh, that aren't in the Constitution and sort of and then it becomes precedent. And then the conservatives don't want to overturn which precedent. Roberts just said. Let me ask you this. So, so there have been some precedent, some really awful ones. We know about slavery and whatnot, yep. right? Dred Scott. But in, in 1844, the Supreme Court said that public schools had to teach the Bible. So that's precedent, right? Where did the Warren Court didn't apparently care about precedent like the conservatives do? Yeah, you know, I mean, I I think uh, there's a it's one of those things that the on the conservative side they kind of hamstring themselves a little bit, right? But I think the general the general belief, like your Justice Thomas's and others, is look, if the precedent you're talking about is something that looks at the Constitution and refuses to follow its words, or tries to make up things that are nowhere written in the Constitution, then that precedent really doesn't deserve any respect at all. And uh, and so there's been a little battle going on in that. I'll take an example of something that people um, people pro- I mean, most people have never heard of, right? Which is, a- as you've seen these new justices come in, just like with religious freedom with our Bladensburg Cross case and the Lemon case and all that, another one is the Fifth Amendment case that came down that same time. Fifth Amendment is, talks about the government can't take your property without just compensation. Okay. If the government comes in and takes your property, it's got to pay you a, a fair market value. And for 30 years, this case law had become that, well, if you want to bring a Fifth Amendment federal constitutional like claim, you first have to go before your local like state court who's stealing your property and have a litigation before them. Oh, geez. Well, it's a federal right. It's, you know, it, why would you, you know, so. But and, and the reason that's important so people understand is because most people can't afford to do that. No. That, that adds a whole new layer of trial attorneys. Takes forever. And, you never, you know. And and so in this case, the five, you know, including Roberts, the five considered conservative judge, justices ended that 30 years. They said, that's not what the Constitution says. Wow. And boom, they overruled it. And so, and then, you know, on the, on the liberal side, they were screaming, you just ignored all this precedent, right? And, uh, <laughs> and so that's what I say long-term. Again, Roberts has done some weird things at the end of this term. People were disappointed in Gorsuch on Bostock, that decision. But if you look at the direction of the appointments and where these are going, these justices, these new ones, the five, again, they think their job and they might disagree, but they think their job is to find the original meaning. What What is the original meaning? And guess what that does? It takes them back to the Constitution, what the founders really put in place, religious freedom, free speech, all those things. So the direction, uh, the way I've put it before, Ken, is it's like if you were watching the water drop on the Continental Divide, it could be just barely on this side. And it just switched, and now it's just barely on the other mm-hmm. side, but it's going a very different and far away place than the other side That's was great. going. So it doesn't look like much yet, but I'm t- it's a directional change. And again, our case, the cross case, is a great example of, you know, probably wasn't talked about a whole lot. I mean, you know, the veterans talked about it, but it's a huge change for our mm-hmm. culture and for the openness to talk about Christ, right? If if it's not 
okay to have religion in public, then people tend to kind of pull back themselves about whether they talk about their faith, whether they share their faith. This cultural change could really make a difference. And so I've been telling people, I really believe this, we are at the beginning of this change, but every American, if we do our job right, and we're going to try to, every American is about to have more religious freedom than they've ever had in their lifetime. Wow. Why is this happening? Why is God doing this? I, I don't know. Is it because there's going to be a revival? Maybe. Or is it because it's going to be so hostile that we're going to need the protection? Why did he bring back promise keepers at the same time he is having all these victories? Amen. I'm going to ask you in a minute about some important cases you're working on now, if, to the extent sure. that you can talk about them. But, but just briefly, from a personal standpoint, I mean, you are incredibly well connected. I mean, you, you can call up the president if you want to. You, he comes to you when he wants to get guys in the Supreme Court or, or even the federal courts. You could have the huge penthouse in New York City and be a partner in a law firm. And I mean, you could have all that stuff. Instead, you're a 501c3 trying to get donations so that you could fight for, for freedom. But what is it that's caused you to be so bold and to sacrifice so much material gain for this? Well, I mean, this is what God's called me to do, right? Um, that's I mean, a profound answer. It's, I mean, <laughs> it, there's nothing better. You know, you can, when I talk to young people, you know, and I, and it's like, especially Christian young people. And they're like, you know, I want to have a, I want to make a difference. You know what? There's a lot of elements to that, right? But I tell them there's really two really, really big ones in my, in my view. What are your gifts? You know, everybody wants to know God's will for their life. The most particularized expression of his will is how he made you. Cause there's nobody like you, right? So what are you really good at? What comes really easy to you? What do people say, man, that's you're really good at that and you go oh that's easy and they go no it's not it's not easy you know whatever that is right, right? right and and that's what your parents your grandparents your people around you should be doing to help you because everybody thinks that whatever they are is normal right but god gifted you in some way so if you start living out of your gifts that's boy that talk about the expression of god's will for your life mm. there's nothing better than living out of those gifts and so i always you know if somebody tries to tell you go do that because you'll make more money you know that's a fool's errand, you know? What I find is that the people that are living out of their gifts tend to make more money. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're very successful well, they because- they have more joy. Yeah, and, and no matter what, you're having no joy. So I just say, number one, living out of your gifts. But number two, when you start to live out of your gifts, the enemy, you're gonna start to have impact for the kingdom when you start living out of your gifts because that's what God created you. The enemy will come with fear and intimidation. Mm -hmm. And if you're not willing to walk through that, You'll never have your impact. I mean, you, you'll always be thwarted. And so, so for me back then, I was like, I remember I, I you know, I was, I finished my clerkship for a federal judge, which you do for one year. You sort of research, write opinions for the judge and you, you get a unique view of what it's, of what it's like to be a lawyer. You get to see from the other side of the bench, what's persuasive, what's, what's mm -hmm. loses your credibility, what, you know, how things look. It's a whole different perspective. So all the law firms want you to come work with big law firms because it's a unique experience. And I had those offers and I just remember thinking, Lord, I feel like I'd suffocate if I went and did that because I don't feel like that's what you're calling me to do. And I remember thinking, what do you want to do? And I thought, well, I want to use my legal skills because you've shown me through law school I should do that. But I want to help pastors and churches and religious freedoms and our founding principles. And I'd even like to go to seminary part-time. And, and I laughed because there was no job, paying job, to do any such thing. And two weeks later, two big 
partners in big national law firms who I'd never met in my life called me out of the blue and said, will you come to lunch? And I said, sure. And they said, uh, look, we've started donating our time for religious freedom. We're now getting so many calls, it's hurting our ability to make a living. And we were just wondering, we heard about you. Uh, would you be willing to come on, do legal cases, help pastors, churches, religious freedoms, and our founding principles? And you can even go to seminary part-time if you want to. Wow. Uh, so Fine. being a dumb young 20s, I said, let me pray about it. Like that wasn't an answer to prayer. <laughs> and uh, next day I said, oh, I think that was an answer to prayer. And so their question was, how much you need to live on? I was making 28000 as a federal clerk right then, you know. And so they pitched in out of their pocket, and we got started and uh, started a nonprofit. And 31 years later, First Liberty is now the largest legal group in the country that all we do is religious freedom. So it was a, it was a God-created thing. And I just feel like, you know, I remember another experience. I think six, seven years later, uh, I just argued my first case at the Supreme Court. And, uh, How scary was that? It was the scared us I've ever been was in the lawyer's lounge waiting to be called into the room. But the what's fir, the every, first time I was ever on TV, I mean, I remember seeing in the green, green room, like, I got to get out yeah, of Yeah, it's that, that. But here's the thing. And every guy listening to this is going to understand this or every person who competed in athletics. As soon as the other guy got up to make his argument, I, I remember yeah, thinking to myself, I remember thinking to myself, I'm not nervous at all. Let me up there. I'm going to destroy this guy. <laughs> That's what you're thinking, right? You're in competition. Right. Um, and so it was It was great. But I remember, you know, when you are living out of your gifts and you've prayed a ton, you've prepared a ton, you worked a ton, right? And you do that thing, whatever it is. And that's what I did. Uh, there's no greater feeling than that. There's just uh, there's just nothing more joyful than to, to live out of the createdness that God gave you to do whatever that is and to give it to him. And it can be any job, right? But my wife, I'll never forget, we walked out of of the court and we're about to walk down those big steps going down. There's a huge cache of microphones at the bottom with the media and all this. And I remember my wife turning to me and saying, this is what you were born to do. Mm. And I and I thought what to myself, affirmation. I thought I would have missed all of this if instead of listening to the Lord, I'd have said, oh, how much, maybe I, what firm can I go make the most money in? And I thought, what a, mm. what a loss that would have been to not, and by the way, I'm not saying it's wrong for people to make money. I mean, people that are good at that, man, make some money because yeah. you got to give it to groups like ours yeah. and others to, to make it happen. So everybody needs to follow that giftedness, whatever it is. But for me, I could have really missed it. You know, mm. I mean, your family, I mean, you can imagine, love my mom, but she's like, what are you doing? You right. you did so well. Why aren't you going to, you know, you got these incredible opportunities. She's like, I'm not so sure this is a great, now she loves it. But back then it was like, you know, you want to protect your kids and all this. And um, so I just, I just think the key is, I mean, people say, oh, you, you know, you sacrifice some, I don't feel like I've sacrificed anything. I really don't. I feel like God gives me everything I need. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I get to do and have such joy in what I do. It's such a privilege. I mean, that's a nice, it's not a $5,000 no, suit, but that's a no. nice suit. <laughs> no, I got enough to, you know, I'm not begging on the streets. Uh, but it's, I tell you, the most, the coolest thing about it, though, is, and I said this earlier, is I we get to be with heroes all the time. I mean, we get to be with people who are really standing for their faith and paying a price. Mm -hmm. um, and I could tell you story after story, but let's take, let's take Melissa Klein, right, who has a bakery in Oregon who you know, took her years to ever get up to where she and Aaron could, could have a store. 
and they love people. And one of the things she did is do wedding cakes, custom wedding cakes, right? And she would always have a biblical flair to what she did because she understood marriage from the Bible. And then she has two women that come in. Did they refuse them? Sir? Oh, no, they, they loved them. They served them, did everything. But then they wanted them to do a same-sex wedding cake. And Melissa's like, oh, I'm really sorry because of my, you know, my Christian beliefs and biblical beliefs. I can't do that kind of custom cake. Let me tell you somebody who do a great job, which she did. Next thing she knows, the state of Oregon is coming after her. They were fined $135,000. Their business was bankrupted. Yeah, the judge actually ordered them not to speak publicly their beliefs about marriage. How can you, you do know, that? That's you know that's not a violation of the First Amendment yeah. or anything. Yeah. And what would have happened had they done that? Um, said, I'm sorry. Well, there would have been fine. You know, there would have been contempt charges against them uh, to, to speak publicly to, to speak exercise publicly. their first. That's right. Uh, and biblically. And so we, you know, the good news is that part was reversed even at the liberal court when we got up the court of appeals. But the other two parts, we said, this is a violation to, for them to go after her and to do this because she has a right. The way I would distinguish this for people is because I'm in, I've been in some liberal debates on this, this type of case. And I say, look, these people serve everybody. So you, it's not a matter of not serving people because of whoever they are. But the thing that we should all be on agree on is we don't ever want the government to force people to express things that they can't express. I said, does anybody really think it would be okay for the government to punish a black baker because he won't do a clan cake? That's a good analogy. It, it's 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 wrong. We don't we would never tell anybody they have to express something they don't want to express. So I want my swastika this, cake from the Jewish baker. Yeah. And, it's like, well, you know what? Go do it somewhere else. I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know, for uh, that you want to express something like that. But, you know, in America, you can express things that everybody thinks are bad. Um, so freedom of expression doesn't just go with saying and doing stupid stuff that you want. Maybe it should also be you don't have to right. do stupid stuff yeah. that somebody else wants you to do. Absolutely. I mean, people don't want to be involved in something that they feel is sinful, that they feel violates their conscience. That's kind of basic in this country. That's freedom of conscience. That's freedom of religion. Melissa, though, I just use that as an example. They have been through so much. Mm, I mean, this thing has been going on for seven years. We've been all the way up to Supreme Court. We got a a fairly good decision there to go back down and telling the the Oregon court, you need to try this again. They sent a very strong hint. They could have moved. I mean, people said, hey, move your bakery to Texas. Open up, you know, because they've been bankrupted. And I mean, you'll get tons of business. But you know what? Aaron and Melissa haven't done that because they know that millions and millions of believers around the country are doing their business and they're dependent upon them to win their lawsuit. Man. Those are heroes. They're going to be are, rewarded by the Lord. Those are great. And so that's, you know, Gail Blair, the blind woman. I mean, we could just go through hundreds, you know, Coach Joe Kennedy. I mean, uh, the people we get to represent are, are such heroes and they go through a lot that people don't see. Pray, I encourage people, really lift these people up in prayer. There's a lot of spiritual warfare against them. There's some of their friends turn their back on them. It's 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 amazing to watch. Mm. Um, some people don't like controversial people who stand for their faith. And I mean, in your church, I mean, everywhere else. It's, it's sad, uh, but you kind of, I guess you learn who your friends are and who you're not, but they go through, it's a difficult thing. Well, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was controversial. Those people in Germany really didn't like him. The Lutheran no, they church didn't. didn't. And, you know, <laughs> he was just controversial. And it's, it's, you know, that's where we are. I mean, I, you know, people can look at our culture right now and it's obviously there's a lot of bad stuff and they could think, oh, I'm just going to get depressed, right? 
And I think as believers, we have to think, what a privilege to represent Christ now. Mm. I mean, being a light really shows up now. You know, you have an opportunity to really impact people's lives now. You know, our grandkids and our, our, our kids, our grandkids, our great grandkids are dependent upon us for the future of whether we have a country right now. Uh, so in those ways, it's kind of scary, but, but it's a privilege. being uncomfortable. I That's mean, right. The people in Oregon, the, the coach in Washington, well, these, it seems like it's always the same states, uh, <laughs> you know, which is what happens when one political party controls everything in a state and, and that and that party is completely leftist. Right. I mean, and I want to I want to be it's not, the people who control Oregon and Washington are not Democrats. They are crazy leftist wackos. They're not they're not liberals. They're they're socialists. You know, we had oh, a case. We, we had a case in Washington. Uh, the order from the governor there during the pandemic uh, banned even two people to get together for a spiritual meeting. What the heck? And, and, it, and it wasn't even limited to indoors. So we, we said, okay. So we had two guys that said, we're in a Bible study together and the rest of them aren't necessarily ready to gather together. But the two of us want to gather together outdoors, 10 feet apart. And, and this is going to be a crime. So we brought a federal lawsuit. Uh, they needless to say, we won that. But I mean, this is the kind of orders that are coming this out from crazy. some of it's these hard, governors. It's really hard to believe. It is now they've come no, out. If with, those two guys wanted to get together and bash in some windows and spray graffiti, <laughs> then they would have said, "Well, that yeah. pandemic doesn't spread to people yeah. when they're rioting." Yeah, and in Cal like in California, right? You can shout at a riot and spit all over the place, but you you're not allowed to sing in church. Uh, well, so it's it's Kelly, thank unbelievable God for you. I mean, just thank the Lord. And, and we were saying earlier. And I want everybody listening to this to, to really hear this. We've got to stick together. Yes. Because Rob McCoy in Thousand Oaks, um, who's having church, and he was going to go to jail for right. having church. Um, and John MacArthur. John MacArthur, yeah. Um, but they're standing out because no one's joining him. Yeah. If all the churches of Southern California said, we're having church, let's go, yep. come arrest us. There's, yep. there's 50,000 churches or whatever the number is in California. Yeah. Come on. And, and then the government would have to back down. It, right. It's as long as we seek our comfort first and say, well, it sucks to be that guy, but I'm going to keep my head down and he should have kept his head down. As long as we have that attitude, they're going to pick guys off. But if we start joining you with our finances, if that's what we have as, a, as our ability, with our voting by educating ourselves mm -hmm. as to who we're voting for, we're not telling people vote Democrat or Republican. We are telling people to vote for people who understand religious freedom, the Constitution, and for crying out loud, understand the importance of life. Stop voting for anybody who ever supports abortion. But if we start sticking together, there's 60 million evangelical Christians in America, just talking from a governmental standpoint. Ab absolutely. And I, I tell you, one of the biggest problems is people are fearful because they don't have information. They don't know what their rights are. They don't know that people are winning these cases. They not, I, you know, I'd encourage people, go to firstliberty.org. Make sure you're getting the uh, the email that goes out once a week. I want people, you know, because people listen to this and they go, what can I do? You know, mm -hmm. I'm not a lawyer. Well, number one, you can pray for these cases and these people. And you won't know about the cases for people if you don't have a connection and somehow. Mm -hmm. Number two, I want you to be sort of the Paul Revere. I mean, you you can take this information in your community and say, I know about freedom and not you can stop things. You can educate, you can, what you're gonna do is empower other people to, to walk more boldly in their faith when they see that 
there are these freedoms. These people are, we won 90% of our cases last year. We've done that for 20 years in a row. We got over 300 cases last year. Wow. Okay. Religious freedom is still in place in this country if people are willing to live it out. And uh, that's so people can do something. They can pray. They can spread the word. They can get involved themselves and however they can support. They can. I've had I've spoken at churches before where uh, when I came back a few years later and I didn't say this, but one of the pastors is now a state representative. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) And one of the other guys in the church is on the city council. And that wasn't even my that was just God saying, here's a way you can take your witness into government and make a difference. So a third way, get involved in local politics. Yeah, get involved, do something. I mean, at the very least, maybe you see some believer running for office, go help them. Mm-hmm. You know, how many, what's really sad to me is a lot of times there'll be a person from a church that says, you know, I'm going to do this. I know it's going to be a sacrifice. I know people are going to hit at me and all this. And then you have these churches that go, well, we don't get involved in politics, so we're not going to support this guy from our church. It's like, you know, support them. I mean, go go volunteer for their campaign. If you believe in who they are and what they right. stand for, right. uh, the founders, there's actually some great stuff. David Barton, our friend, uh, I've seen a talk on this before where the founders talked about that's how you should pick your political leaders. The church should call out from their own group who are the ones that have the greatest character, the greatest, because, mm. you know, kind of like the deacons and all these people, right? Uh, the church can know their own and then say, these are the people that need to run for office and get behind them. Wouldn't that be a That's better country if we if we had that kind of a process to pick high-quality people and have them run for office and be public servants? Well, you've been incredibly gracious. I know you've got uh, worse to fight, right? Like now, you like at this moment, you have <laughs> a, a poor place to go. So God bless you, man. And uh, Oh, dude. thank you for what you're doing. And we want to, I hope we don't ever have to represent you, but we're ready. <laughs> I have a feeling that's coming. <laughs> See you, brother. You too. Thanks for listening to On the Edge Podcast with Ken Harrison. For a lot of you, this is our first time meeting, and I want to tell the men listening about an organization I'm the current chairman of, Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers is an organization founded by Coach Bill McCartney that's led men across the world to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Promise Keepers is calling men back to courageous and bold servant leadership. To learn more and get involved in the mission of Promise Keepers, visit promisekeepers.org. Follow on social media or download the Promise Keepers app on Apple Store or Google Play by searching Promise Keepers. Through the Promise Keepers app, you'll receive access to devotionals, Bible studies, and other great articles and video content, and a community to build friendships, lead your family, and become transformative leaders. See you next time for On the Edge with Ken Harrison.